Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Jules, I'm not going to talk about Sonic Frontiers. You can't make me. No, don't you de- no, don't, no, don't you. Stop it. Nope. Don't want to. Nope. Don't want to tell you that it's nope. Good, pretty. Not going to start game, the. Not going to start the podcast bit, like this. Nope. Hands down. No <laughs> way. Disappointing. The amount of time um, yes. that I sat between uh, our last podcast and this, dreading it, felt like there was a giant <laughs> big bat of death hanging over my head. And you know what tombstone it was holding in its gnarled claw? It said, uh-huh. "Here lies Sonic Frontiers," and it was going to drop it on my <laughs> bloody head because I knew that you were going to be talking about it. And well, I feel like are. I have to, here right? I feel like it's been one of the most anticipated games of the year. No, you know, who, it's for who? For who? What do you mean? There's millions of us. There's millions of Sonic fans. Yeah, there's millions of Sonic fans, but th- there's it. a bigger game that has just released that people are talking about more than Sonic Frontiers. Gotham Knights? Yeah, that's it. Gotham Knights. <laughs> Mario Rabbit. Yeah, sure. God of War. Ragnarok. God of War, baby. Are we, are we going to just address the elephant in the room then? Which is your favourite? Well, Which is your game of the year? Go on. Oh, by, okay, well, okay. We actually did that as a question. It was what's no your way. game of the year so far. Well, let's, between, let's introduce yeah, the people between... to what we're doing and then we'll answer that question. Yes, you're we? not wrong. We do this every time. We should, we should say this is the entire Banner podcast. The UBP, the UBP, UBP, UBP. the UBP. I'm Scott Tilford. You're Jules Gale. Yo where we ask people for their various talking points, questions, whatever they'd like us to get into every single week. Um, filming a day early, but this will still go out on the Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we had a massive response from people, and the overall thing in gaming right now, like you said, is God of War Ragnarok. The game released on Wednesday. We had a day for it during the middle of the week. It's but so that people, like people can book off their holidays and have a really long weekend <laughs> to get through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty sizable as well. Like, if you do, if you make a point of doing every last thing in it, you'll hit about 40 hours or whatever. So it's a That's pretty good. pretty hefty boy. Um, I did about 28 hours just Mainlining, mostly mainlining the story. Mm-hmm. Um, have you picked yours up yet? Or are you waiting a little bit, bro? Do I have a PS5 yet? Rough. No, I do not have a. It's on PlayStation PS5. Four, Jules. Well, I could get it on the PlayStation Four then, but no. Again, once, 30 FPS. Uh, as as per usual, I'm just going to wait for all the hype to die down. Then I'll play it about a year later. I I don't <laughs> know what it is. I love video games to death, but I just get mm-hmm. more excited about the indie games that are on the horizon rather than the AAA stuff. I know that that AAA game is going to be there, and the longer I wait, mm. the more it's going to be patched and fixed and added content is going to be do it and when i pick up my game of the year edition i have the perfect experience mm-hmm. the indie games though oh they need extra love as soon as they hit out of the gate you need to go and support them you need to give them that time and attention mm-hmm. so yeah i tell you what speaking of indie stuff uh, rogue legacy 2 is just on switch now like it love was that game. on, on steam for game. so long mm-hmm. yeah like i love the original rogue legacy like 2014 or whatever yeah yeah long time um, ago back 
back in day, but um, I saw they did an indie stream yesterday. Nintendo did, and uh, yeah, Rogue Legacy Two is one of the games. That they just, I love when they do that thing where they show a trailer and then they just go, and it's available now. I'm like, oh. just do that for everything. Just have go, I told you, you know, about my dream? My dream, I, maybe. So this is the thing. I had this like you know when you have like lucid dreams where you have you're mm-hmm. able to control certain aspects of it. I dreamt right. right I'm going to set the scene. This maybe take a minute. So uh, buckle up, kids. Okay. So, I was dreaming that I was in this sort of like Mega City One style uh, futuristic dystopia. There was like trash lining the streets. There was electric neon billboards around. And I was walking through. And then all of a sudden, you, you hear this. Yeah, in Gator. <laughs> I was at Curly's. <laughs> and you just hear this big pumping bass soundtrack start filling the air. Sort of like. Doof, 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 doof. And I was like, what is that? So you walk towards the light. You go through this tunnel. And out the other side is, boom, it's a racetrack. You're in Mute City. It's F-Zero. It's back, baby. <laughs> and this is the dream that I keep having and i keep thinking to myself it's real and it's going to be a thing you and have like, mentioned f-zero quite a lot and like captain falcon like slides past the thing and he like leans out the window and he does the little <laughs> finger guns at you and you're like yes yes and then like, you hey, wake hey, up hey, young man would you sweat. like to come on a race yeah. yeah i mean the thing is like f-zero is one of their most like nintendo's most overlooked franchises that feels like the most obvious bankable thing to do like if you had little levels where you play as captain falcon and then you do the race stuff in between yeah. like why not you've got story modes in mario golf why can't you put a story mode into f-zero but the best thing about my dream is that I've clearly been influenced by marketing because all of a sudden it then zooms out and I realised that I'm myself watching a trailer of this game play out <laughs> and that was actually just an animated opening and it says F-Zero available now and I'm like, Way! somehow that's it's even only- better. Way! The day that that finally returns will be pretty historic. There's not yeah. that many Nintendo franchises that people keep asking about that haven't had a new installment in years. Mm-hmm. Like, even Star Fox had one a few years ago. Um, I do want to super quickly address the Sonic Frontiers go room, on, go elephant on, in go the room, because I do feel like a lot of people were looking forward to it, including myself, and I let myself get in, get excited for it, because I love the movie this year, and I mean, it wasn't even a great movie, but I was just like, I love Sonic, it reminded me how much I love Sonic. Mm-hmm. So I let myself get excited for Frontiers, and it's fine, it's solid, it's playable, there are parts that are really enjoyable, but there's also parts that are absolutely unacceptable acceptable. There are parts that are just ridiculously <laughs> undercooked. Just stuff that is like, what the hell are you boys doing? Like, why does Sega hate Sonic so much? Oh. Why can they not put any mm. amount of professional Yum. time into this franchise? Do they hate the fact that their copycat front, their mascot took off in the first place and they're just trying to kill him every time there's a new game? I, like, what is wrong with them? I love this. Christmas has come early, ladies and oh, gentlemen. God. I am feasting on this turkey that Scott is providing <laughs> me. What are you... Thing okay. is... So, 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 so the good yep. is, is that I've, I've seen like reviews of it out there already, and mm-hmm. I can say that graphically it looks impressive. The pop-in is a bit of a atrocious that, the, the, the pop-in is one of the things that is unacceptable. Yeah, that is unacceptable when you're going that fast and you're basically telling you're people... You're on a PlayStation 5 in yeah. 2022, and you can't load basic world geometry from 10 years ago. And when you've got that side-by-side uh, God of War Ragnarok, yep. you just go, mm, okay, fair God enough. of War Ragnarok can load an entire realm in two seconds. Spider-Man can load a New York City in a 116th replica no, model in two crazy. seconds. That's crazy. That is and crazy. And Sonic can't give me a floating crate, like, until you're on it. Like, it's so, so stupid. It's so dumb. Um, but the parts that work are, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, the combat model surprisingly really, really good. Yeah. Um, they've fleshed that out quite a lot. You can do some parries. You can do some launches. The moves you unlock are really, really cool. They're actually genuinely fun to watch and do okay. and pull off. Um, that stuff's great. The music is unbelievably good. Mm-hmm. Um, Tomoyo Otani returning uh, to be the composer um, who also does lo-fi stuff on YouTube and so you get like little bits of lo-fi when you're exploring which I really like oh um, that's the, quite nice the first island has this really lush soft piano music which is really nice and when you're fishing with Big the Cat you get this other lo-fi 
theme. Is, and it's it, not like it doesn't the redeem Big Cat. Thing? But... Is that the un- <laughs> other unacceptable part of the game? Because I, I feel like when, when the, it came up the in the trailer, when it came up in the trailer and mm. it was like, I'm going to show you how to Hello. do fishing. I was like, you can <laughs> shut the... Oh, God. <laughs> the thing is, I feel like Big the Car has become the Star Wars prequel uh, or prequels of uh, Sonic fandom, where people have spent so much time around him that they've just convinced themselves it's all right. And I don't hate him, but he's not good either. No. But the um the so- the, the actual fishing minigame's solid enough, it's fine enough. Sonic's just like, yeah, I could I could detense for a while. Hey, let's go. And it's like, that's fun, with a bit of lo-fi on, whatever. So the music's yeah. great, and the combat's great. Um, it's just, the, the UI is horrible in terms of like the pausing stuff. Oh, it's no. really clunky. Um, and the physics, the physics of the thing that kills it sometimes, which has always been the case in Sonic. The faster you go, the more you gotta go fast, the more you'll just get flung off like round a corner. You'll just go yeah. into the sea or you'll go the complete wrong way yeah. or whatever. Even moving in this, if you try and walk, he'll walk the other direction. Just pushing Wait, up on the analog stick makes him go the other way. Honestly, it's that broken in some parts. And I'm just like, That's how is terrible. this, that is this undercooked? Yeah, there's bits in there. I was doing the second major boss fight last night. There's like one major titan that you fight per island. So I'm on the third island now. And I was fighting this giant... Uh, Titan. I'm about 10 hours in. Yeah. And uh, I was fighting this Titan and you fight them, each Titan is like supersonic. So you're flying around trying to take it out. I was just flying through the creature, like just clipping oh, right through it and no. coming out the other side. And I was like, no. this hasn't been optimized. This hasn't been play tested. Um, and it's just, it's annoying because there are so many things that they're, they're trying harder this year than they ever have um, since like Sonic Generations, which yeah. was like 11 years ago. Um, but there are still parts that are so immediately undercooked and like the physics just bug out and like I said, fling you in the wrong direction. Maybe he's starts going in the opposite direction on a rail or something for no reason oh, and stuff like so that bad. where you're just like you're so close and then you're getting it wrong to such a, a missed opportunity degree yeah. that it's just annoying and so like I said I've still put 10 hours into it it's still very Moorish I still really I'm enjoying my time overall yeah. but when it goes wrong it goes so severely wrong <laughs> that you're just like oh my god why can you guys not just care for like why can't you get this right see that annoys me as well because I've seen outlets give it like 9 out of 10 like I've seen yeah. like give it really good reviews <laughs> and I was like looking at it just like come on lads it's not a 9 out of 10 game they must have got the most diehard Sonic fan with the most rose-tinted glasses who cannot accept that the game can be anything less than brilliant mm. because they've waited for it for so long. <clears throat> the thing is as well, when we, when we played it at Eject, for me and Cy played it, like I'm, I, th- obviously that was a different version of the game. It's like a vertical slice. It's still the same intro portion, yeah. but there's a whole thing. It, this is the weirdest thing in this game. When you first put it on, it asks you if you want action mode or high speed mode. And in my head, I was right. like, they're the same thing. Yeah. And, apparently, and I had to Google what that was. It's just, it depends on whether you want infinite boost, but a slower Sonic overall, or you want a rationed out boost where a meter goes down, but it's faster overall. So I was like, well, I guess I want high Why speed mode. Why even bother giving Sonic. you that choice? That's so I know. <laughs> but then also, if you hit pause and go in the options in the clunky UI, there's lots of sliders for like um, Sonic starting speed and then like boost speed, and they're right. all on sliders. So I'm just, but there's also like a, a loot system to get all these different collectibles to make him faster to rank up your speed. But you can also just max out the sliders and then start faster. But then that bugs all the physics out even more oh, because then he can't, d- 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 no, he just can't control him very well. This is so sounded like, like an absolute like Brompton cocktail, a heady mixture of just <laughs> death. No. <laughs> Thank you. That's too many options, and it's not oh. up to the player to decide if they're going to break the game just through the... Like, I tell you what, there's content to be made on this, mate. There's content yeah. in terms of, like, uh, video games you could break by doing nothing or something. Like that. <laughs> games that broke themselves. So but yeah, it, it feels like this... 
this weird debug menu thing. And so, yeah, I, like I said, I'm 10 hours in. I've just started the third island. Um, I also, shout out to the character writing. Um, yeah. <laughs> not to spend forever. I'm gonna, I'm, I am going to stop talking about Sonic Frontiers. No, no, but no. I you, must you, say, no, no. This is your one shot, mate. You enjoy your time <laughs> in the sun right now. Because do you know what? The, I thought that this was going to be heapings of praise on this, but this is dollops no. of uh, sour cream on my ice cream it's right a, now. I'm, I'm enjoying this. It's a mixed, mixed, mixed bag. Uh, the parts that I like, I really love. But it's it's one of those things where every time you let yourself think, this is great, I'm really enjoying this, something goes wrong. Something just bugs out. That is the Sonic franchise. Out. That's the Sonic franchise as a whole. I the know, moment that you relax just, and let your guard down, that's the moment that I it kicks you square in the plums. Yeah, I thought they would like get it more right this year. Like They realised that Sonic 2 blew the F up. Sonic is in a, bit, a bigger position this year in media overall than he's been in years. You think they would nail it. And they've tried to nail it, bits or better, but it's do you, not Do you know there. what it sounds like? It sounds like... Uh, in a weird way, if they'd actually done less, this would have been a better game. And the fact that they tried to do more and overstretch themselves has basically meant that they've done the self-fulfilling prophecy of Mm. Team Sonic, Sonic Team, whichever one they're called, actually going like, oh yeah, we can't actually program a game 100% Mm. well. The thing is, I'll I'll end this by saying that one of the other things that stands out as a major positive, and this will be a hilarious statement, is that the character writing in Sonic Frontiers is really, really good. Um, And also... Sonic Frontiers might be a bit of pandemic art. There are bits in this that are super self-reflective. There's a bit where Knuckles is talking about how he only lived his life protecting the emeralds and he really should, he, he can't, you know, he should get out there and do more stuff. And Sonic's like, well, go out there and live your life. And he's like, you know what? I will. And it's like stuff like that. That I'm just like, is this this like self-reflective thing? And also uh, Amy Rose, like her whole thing is about like freeing, uh, they're called um, Cocos. These little characters that look exactly like Koroks from Breath of the Wild. Brilliant. Uh, or from Zelda in general, um, but obviously legally distinct. Um, you save some of them, and their whole thing is that when they unite, when you fulfill their wishes, they die. So even though you're Harsh. like fulfilling them, and like they're little tiny little cute characters, and one of them's like trying to find their ultimate partner on the other side of the island, you reunite them, and then they die together. And then it's really sad. And then it's all this general thing of like Sonic being like, well, at least they got to live their life. And it's just like, are you just uh, Sega? Are you all right? Like the Sonic team, are you are you guys okay? Like, at least they got been to die together. Sonic, yeah. a game for kids. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just yeah, like I feel like the Sonic fandom is like three year olds and thirty year olds, yeah. and it's just like yep. we need to like kind of tick both boxes. But yeah, man, it's a it's a fascinating mess, but uh, it's a mixed bag. Tell you what, though, we should actually do some questions. Go I didn't say then. that about Go on ten then. years ago. I'll tell ago. you what. I'll tell you what. You we'll get through some uh, some questions. So we had a whole uh, lovely response from people. First one from Jacob Sawyer, who says, "Who would you consider as the top five best written video game characters?" Maybe we'll do the top three. Um, also, have been watching and listening to you guys talk about games for about five years, and thank you Whoa. as I just started my first job in the games industry and I wouldn't have made it this far without the podcast. Well, thank you very much for That's getting in. That's amazing and congratulations. I hope that uh, you absolutely smash it. I'm sure that you will. And you know, five years listening to us. Whew, I know, right? I know that I would, mo- that would motivate you. That would motivate you to just basically go and uh, get into the games industry to shut us up. <laughs> yeah. If you get high enough, you can get in control of the entire band of podcast and then tell us to stop <laughs> prattling on about Sonic for 20 minutes. Yeah, they're just like <laughs> a little memo goes slid, slid under the door every single episode. Start the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Note to self, actually start the podcast. Um, yeah, the best written video game characters. The, the, the reason I put this as the first question mm-hmm. was because I was going to use this to dovetail into Sonic Frontier's version of right. Knuckles, okay. but I won't do that now. Okay. Um, I will say that I think Kratos is incredibly well written, oh, especially the new version. 100%. I haven't um, experienced the new version, but I have experienced the 2018 version, and I thought that that was such a radical departure mm. from his like action-heavy, uh, chaos bro attitude that I was super, super pleased to see a more mm-hmm. reflective uh, person who was motivated to violence uh, for different means other than that there was just violence to be had. 
Yeah, and like just that whole idea of like trying to do better and acknowledging the past and like mm-hmm. knowing you can't escape it, but trying to do as much as you can. I love that stuff. My other one would be, um, I guess we can maybe do top three each yeah, or whatever. Sure, sure, we sure. kind of agree on Kratos, but another one for me would be Madeline in Celeste. Um, okay. I guess that there's that whole game's writing, but I feel like just the way Madeline's written, um, it's just this brilliant on point dissection of depression, mm-hmm. anxiety, mm-hmm. and acknowledging mm-hmm. those mindsets. And what if those mindsets were another person? Could you have a conversation with them and um, and kind of overcoming and learning to work with that entity and, and work use uh, learning to work with your quote-unquote worst aspects to become something better overall. I think that's that game is unbelievably helpful. I think yeah. that thing is incredibly well put together. I feel like um, it's one of those, think of a third. those like touchstone games, isn't it? Where you just mm. like, you can just instantly recommend it even if you know the person isn't particularly into that style of game. It's mm-hmm. just that the, the narrative and tone carries so much more weight than anything yeah. else. Um, I would say for me, I mean, it's a bit of a cop-out to say every character from Disco Elysium, but if we narrow it down, oh, then Harry, Harry Dubois, uh, obviously mm-hmm, the main mm-hmm. character that you play as, I enjoy the fact that you shape how terrible a human being he is. Uh, <laughs> and there is no right decision. Even when you're doing the right thing, it's usually at the expense of other people's happiness. And mm-hmm. I just think that the character writing in that game is so unique in the sense that if you rely on a certain play style, if you go in heavy-handed too many times, then your brain becomes wired to do that and will make those mm. actions and decisions for you. And I feel like as a character study how we live our own lives and sometimes fall into patterns of behaviour, having it so readily presented to us is really important because you yeah. look at it and just go, damn, I I do make impulse decisions that are based on certain aspects of my psyche that I don't control consciously. And I need mm-hmm. to break those chains if I'm to have a balanced perspective on life. Mm-hmm. I think Disco, Disco is a hell of a shout <clears throat> because just across the board, the level of writing, like literally that entire game is mm-hmm. just phenomenal. Even the narration, even like the text descriptions and everything when you're unlocking different thoughts. Like, yeah, Disco is next level. There's a whole bunch of articles doing the rounds at the minute, which we talked about before on the pod, um, that Amazon's influence on their parent company is like affecting the brand and yeah, really what sad. they're trying to really do with sad. Disco and whatever. But Disco Elysium as an individual thing, if you just go play it, there's a level of writing to that that is just next level. Yeah. Um, I feel like I want to throw someone from Mass Effect in here. Um, I kind of want to just put like either Garrus because he's sort of split between defending, like trying to trying to fight yeah. for his homeland, and um, I forgot his. Uh and Palavin is his, his mm-hmm, homeworld mm-hmm. um, and trying to do the right thing and he's like an ex-cop and it's like how, how far does justice go and he kind of gets more done when he leaves the um, the Systems Alliance stuff um, or maybe Morden Solis this sort of genius oh, love, scientist yeah. I'd probably go with Morden like this like genius scientist who ends up trying to trying to sort of like well he makes like a, a genocidal uh, serum thing the yeah. genophage yeah. that affects the Krogans and then it's all about him being this gen- genius scientist who's applied his knowledge in the wrong way yeah. and then ultimately if you let him have it he can have his redemption in Mass Effect 3 and I just love that line Line where he says, you know, the, the whole idea of like dispersing the cure for this uh, genocidal thing, and he says, "I have to do it. I have to sacrifice myself." And it's like someone else might have gotten it wrong. Yeah, and it's like the yeah. perfect loop for where he started and where he ends. So that will be my third, I think. Yeah, that's a good shout. I enjoy Jack's uh, story as well from uh, Mass Effect Two. Well, like oh, going going from just a uh, a really emotionally broken uh, perspective to healing, learning to accept and trust. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like. Mass Effect 2's uh, suicide mission style uh, approach to the main narrative was so important in bringing together different aspects of very broken, disenfranchised people and uniting them under hope. And that is like, mm. oh, it's a great story. Enjoy that a lot because it's always a mm. case of, even though we're talking about aliens and sci-fi oh. craziness, the 
mm-hmm. very grounded nature of each of those characters is so relatable. So I was like, yes, yeah, man. big love to the Mass Effect I think Jack too. and that like reveal in three as well, that she's like become a teacher. Yeah, is really, that's, really good. It's a like, beautiful turn, isn't it? Because it's like, yeah. you're, not, you're basically, you're not allowing your your pain to go and influence other people. You're using what you've built to uh, dissipate that pain Mm -hmm. to teach other people how to deal with their stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool, man. Yeah, like doing right by the next generation kind of thing. It's like if you were uh, raising a child or something. And we also had a question from Jenko who says, which game has the best antagonist and why? Ooh, Jenko, my boy. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. 
And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. I think the defaults are like Vass, maybe the elusive man. Handsome Jack. I'm trying Jack. to think of someone who I... Handsome Jack. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like villains that I like love to hate. Um, Odin's definitely very well done in Ragnarok, mm-hmm. um, if you get stuck into that, but he's not got that much screen time. I but, mean, um, uh, Balder, yeah. Balder, Balder? Yeah. In, um, Balder's in, great too. It just, yeah. just fantastic because it was always the... The sympathetic villain all the way through, mm-hmm. you go thinking, oh, this guy is just straight up evil and therefore must be bested. But as you go through, it's like not being able to feel anything. The amount of uh, emotional mm. turmoil that he's going through and disconnected from the universe around him. It's just life mm. is, itself has no meaning. So therefore he finds purpose in the most odd ways. Um, Jeremy Davies as well. Like he was in Lost and um, mm-hmm. he was like Faraday in Lost. And he's like, I would never have thought of him as like a, a god character to play, but he's he rounds out Baldur so well. Although like the to- like he's yeah. the torment that he has. I tell, um, I, I, another good antagonist that I don't feel gets enough praise, admittedly because of his rather sleepy vocal delivery, is <laughs> Benny from um, uh, Fallout New oh, Vegas. Fallout. I, mm. I, I know that Matthew Perry played him and most people, we kind of come down on the uh, consensus that it was a fairly okay performance. There was some good right. lines, there was some very sleepy lines, but overall it balanced out to make a memorable character. And I mm. love the fact that he explains all the way through when you're just catching up to him, like, hey, it wasn't anything personal. You had something <laughs> I wanted and I basically put you on ice because of the just unfortunate luck of the draw. But mm-hmm. when you find out more about his motivations as to what he wants to do with Mr. House's uh, tech and how he wants to influence New Vegas going forward, he is he's strangely charming and he's funny right. and he's got ridiculous lines like when he keeps on saying like ring-a-ding-ding baby and all this like, like <laughs> hello yeah he's, he's just got like tons of like that sort of like uh vernacular that's so out of time and out of touch but it's so <laughs> funny and works perfectly for his character so yeah mm-hmm. i do like that also kind of feels like he's like he has to play a certain role to get by anyway like in that specific context like he's saying all those little one-liners and he's trying yeah. to be sort of old school gangster he's quite like a pathetic scared little guy isn't he because he's just <laughs> like oh, please don't kill me <laughs> Yeah, um, I'll throw in as well my ultimate antagonist. Uh, my ultimate favorite villain is Liquid Snake. Um, oh, I just yeah, love yeah. Uh, Cam Clark's performance, especially in the original Metal Gear Solid. Because after that, it kind of goes a bit skew with. Like after he dies, he kind of gets brought back, and it's kind of sometimes it's Ocelot's voice, and yeah. sometimes it's not. Because I thing. mean, that, that I have to say, as much uh, stick as I give Metal Gear Solid Four for being just so full of itself so yeah. so very Metal Gear Solid 4 shall we say mm-hmm. there is that beautiful moment where they're having the slog of a fist fight at the end of it and it's Ocelot talking and then Liquid and then Snakes talking and everyone's just basically just hammering home with their fists <laughs> and their words how much of a long journey it's been and I'm like cool mm-hmm. that was pretty emotionally satisfying that oh my favourite bit is I, I love all the payoffs in Metal Gear 4 towards the end there's that bit like you said where they're fighting each other and it's like you've got I don't know how much has happened in the canon like 7-8 years of fighting or yeah. something yeah. And it's like they have that bit where they, they're punching each other, they're it's fighting, the and they rest. Yeah, all the flashbacks, and it's like all the different lifetimes that they fought, and then they kind of rest like forehead to forehead, yeah. and they both get the serum out like they're going to inject each other. They're going to inject themselves with adrenaline, but they inject each other yeah. so that they can keep the fight going because yeah. they both know that they both need to have this fight. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's a great moment. Like if that was in like an 80s action movie, it would be like Hollywood legend, yeah. like that the scene where the hero and the villain um, heal each other so they can settle this properly. Yeah, um, I absolutely love that bit. Um, next question from Honest NPC, who says, "Hello, legends, loving all the work you do. Hello. When is the best time to own a?" 
console. I suffer from the Scott effect and I buy everything at launch, but is it best to buy near the end when there are more games and it's cheaper? Is this proof that there is real value in FOMO? Uh, thing is, is that I we both so. come from very different perspectives, I feel, on mm. gaming. Don't you? you buy everything day one and you play through <laughs> it regardless of how shoddy some of the, uh, the early releases are. I definitely mm. wait for a game to prove itself to be worthy of my time because mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't think that it, 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 neither of us are wrong or right in the way that we choose to play games. It's just how we prefer to play them. Like just mm-hmm. because I choose to wait doesn't mean that I look and poo poo all of the other stuff. I just think to myself, I've got hobbies, <laughs> mainly Warhammer, that are so <laughs> time intensive that I basically spend so much time painting and making stuff for that that I think mm-hmm. when it comes back to gaming, I'm like, this game's got to be good. It also depends on, you know, if we're reviewing something, we'll try and prioritize that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I try and dive into everything just because I like, I just like seeing whatever the, the new hotness is. But I think there is value in for in gaming because so many things are broken like if you were going to flip a sorry if you're going to place a bet on Mm -hmm. whether a game is broken or not you'd be right more often if you bet that something would be broken on day one that's just a sad reality of gaming so I think yeah there is value in FOMO in this case which is so funny because you get people on the review for um, God of War Ragnarok all across Mm. all the sites that I've been watching it on everyone's just been saying this is so rare a single player no microtransaction no loot box no Mm -hmm. season pass fully fledged single player experience that works on day one how rare is that and that is a sad state of affairs Oh man, I know. The thing is, even God of War, like thankfully it's been patched now, but when I was in the review period, just because they gave us it so early, I had it for like two weeks before launch, yeah. um, there were a couple of game-breaking bugs there where I had to email Sony and, and just really? say like, hey, yeah, like I had this, um, again, again, these are specifically fixed because they're listed in the patch notes Got and they're, thankfully I tested again, not the case, but I did have a couple of game-breaking things where a quest didn't trigger. I had a one where, because um, you get access to a sled that you can travel around uh, one of the realms in, mm-hmm. and or a couple of the realms, and uh, I had a thing where a cutscene played where uh, the dogs and the sled, uh, Kratos walked them out of a game gate and then the gate shut behind him and then the sled warped back to behind the gate again but I couldn't get back through to get it and so um, I just was stuck there and it wanted me to go like down this like whole long path to get to the next part of the mission but I could run there as Kratos but then nothing happened when I got down there so it was just like it just didn't work so I just had to email them and just say hey there's this thing Um, and then that got that got fixed and everything but like yeah even God of War had a little bit it was a little bit rough but it was still infinitely better than the vast majority of games at the top Um, I mean it's what like a year later from Halo Infinite and it's only just getting co-op and forge and stuff now as well i mean yeah the thing is is it's so ridiculous when you see certain big companies approach to it like nintendo they usually release immaculate games maybe a few glitches Mm. here and there but nothing like out like what you would consider to be absolutely terrible then you've got sony which tries its best and has occasional hiccups and microsoft I don't know, man. Well, every, time they, every time they put their stuff out, I remember Gears of War 2 and 3. But like when that came out, there was like day one patches that were quite large for that. Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. the Still, multiplayer. Their Oof. reputations are pretty solid, though. Like that whole run across the 360, I guess patches in general were a lot smaller because you couldn't do multiple yeah. gig patches back yeah. then. It was just a few uh, kilobytes. Um, but yeah, next question from you done messed up Aaron, who says, good day, gents. Unfortunately, I don't get to play God of War until next week as we're road tripping to Philadelphia. We'll have Ooh, fun nice. and get some cheese. What are your favorite road trips slash driving songs? Bonus points if they are hot gaming tracks for burning rubber oh maybe the burnout three soundtrack oh yeah the burnout three soundtrack is great because um i mm-hmm. remember i think it's the matches have a song on there uh which is just Ooh. an absolute belter um <laughs> 
in terms of like great gaming soundtracks, uh, you've got your Cyberpunk 2077 is absolutely That's phenomenal. Pretty and yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. if you were driving to that, if you got the sort of like open highway moment of just being like, there's oh, that, nothing else either side and you've just got the thumping sort of like... That song, because you've got the instrumental stuff and you've got the specific songs. There's a one called Resist and Disorder by Resodrome, I think they're called. That's like my favorite song on that soundtrack. I'd also give a massive shout out to Rebel Galaxy's soundtrack, but the original one, it's by this guy called Blue Saracino and it's just like really swampy slide guitar blues and nice. obviously that game is like space truckers and just sort of like it's like um you know like a lorry simulator in space kind of thing you're just oh, hauling stuff perfect and, for a road oh, trip, I, yeah rebel oh, shout out to rebel galaxy like rebel galaxy outlaws fun too they did more story stuff in it but the original one is just here's your truck or your space truck go you know it's like firefly it's just like go get resources go do this that thing sounds and, like, awesome i've never even it's played great. that that sounds great oh dude i think you i think you would fall in love with rebel galaxy <laughs> i think you would just play nothing else for like a week um, it's got it's got such a vibe to it like and okay. all the ships are like really weighty and oh man like yeah i would uh i'd go with the, the old blue saracino any other picks for you? I think you could probably pick any of the Wipeout games as well and get Shout. a decent soundtrack from there if you want your sort of like synth-heavy, uh, sort of like driving baseline stuff. Mm-hmm. If you want something with a bit more chill so that you can appreciate the landscape around you, I suggest going back to Bastion. Um, Ooh, I feel like Bastion shall. is a such a great soundtrack, and I can't remember mm-hmm. the, the name of the... Uh, the uh, composer, it's Darren Corb, if you Darren think of Corb, the that's it, yeah. And mm-hmm. then uh, Darren also did a Transistor as well, yep. uh, which is another phenomenal soundtrack that I would suggest. That's the thing, because I was thinking, like, when I think of driving music, my mind goes to Joe Bonamassa, who's like an incredible blues guitarist. And I was trying to think of, like, when I think of driving music, I think of, like, I don't know, slower blues stuff yeah. with occasional epic guitar stuff. But I can't think of a Joe Bonamassa alternative in game form, which is where my mind went to Blue Saraceno and Rebel Galaxy and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, I'd be chasing something that is, like, yeah, just I'm driving. I'm getting through this thing. Like, it's something that's a bit more trundly. We're which going, really brother. We're going. We're getting there. Um, but I feel like that's what I would be uh, going for. Um, next question from AJ, who says, UBP, UBP, UBP. UBP. What's your thoughts on Sony's game price spike now that they've been charging a new premium for quite a while now? Do you think it's a trend that will carry over to Xbox, PC, and Switch? Mm-hmm. Anyways, hope you're both doing well. You both put a smile on my face. Well, thank you Aww, very much. cheers. That's such lovely words. Um, yes, to be honest, Phil Spencer said that going forward, they'll have to raise prices for stuff. They've just not been specific about it yet. The thing is, is that, like, do they have to? <laughs> do they have to? With the increasing <laughs> move towards uh, digital download, download games mm. um your reliance on physical media being the uh, cost that the consumer has to uh, absorb is mm. just it holds no water whatsoever anymore no. um i think that your development costs as i've said many many times before your consumer should not foot the bill for your five uh, million dollar tech uh it's up to the developers if they choose to implement that mm-hmm. and we shouldn't be uh, paying the price for it um I think that inflation as a whole, you could argue, would see a small rise in price, but I'm not seeing anything yet that justifies the jump to the $70 uh, price tag. I just, Mm. like, it's going to blow my mind when we top up to the £100 or dollars for a game. That's going to be insane. You're going to look at somebody, and let's face it, wages will not have met the inflation of the video game and entertainment industry. You will be looking at somebody who is still going to be earning just over base wage, and they'll be like, like, wow, that's that's not even like a weekend off the drink uh, splurge. <laughs> like that is like not eating for an entire week just so I can mm-hmm. play one game. 
Well, that's the thing. It's like that idea. I remember, I forget the name of the critic that said it a good few years ago that said gamers were getting this incredible deal because if you compared hours per price to the likes of a movie, it's like, well, a movie ticket is like 10 pounds, $10, whatever, mm-hmm. if not more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then you get two hours, let's say, if you average it out, maybe even an hour and a half. Um, that there's sort of like the price per hour of entertainment in gaming. It's like, if you apply that same model, well, we're getting hundreds of hours in like a Skyrim or a Witcher 3 or an Elden Ring um, for, let's say, 40 pounds or 50 pounds, it depends sure. where you get it from. That, that idea is that we're getting in incredible value for money and they should put the prices up. I forget the person who said that, but it was like that method of thinking is interesting, I guess, because you could apply different price models to different games. But then I think that for me, the quality is not there in terms yeah. of if you're tre- if you're then treating them as products, then they're not refined products at launch. Like yeah. it almost, they go down in price as they get fixed. It's like a weird back and forth. Well, you've got to think as well, like, yes, uh, Scott, you may be getting 60 hours of this game, but 50 mm. of those hours are going to be repetitive live service model style that missions too. that are not mm-hmm. entertaining in the slightest your entertainment per hour is actually going down at that point mm-hmm. where you're I mean how many times have you had that sort of glass shattering moment where you've been playing through a game and just been like this isn't actually that fun but I'm now right. 40 hours deep into it so I, I may or may not be it. playing Sonic Frontiers right now yeah exactly well, exactly. And you, and, you, <laughs> and you think to yourself like well I might as well just carry on because I'm close mm-hmm. to the end and you just mm-hmm. you're yeah, your emotions just go downhill over and over again. You just go like, cool, I've seen the end of that. I've done it, but I the stopped enjoying like- it about 20 hours ago. Yeah, exactly. And you don't want to be paying like a high a high premium just for bloat. I feel like some mm. of the, the worst games, you know, recently have been full of bloat. Like all the Ubisoft stuff getting their, making their name on it. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's more interesting ways to monetize people. There's more interesting ways to monetize fan bases um, in respectable ways, not yeah. just, you know, siphoning off story. And you raise a fantastic point here, which is the case Thank of you. if you have games that are $70, 70 pounds, and then you're putting microtransactions, live service mm. models that allow you to milk your consumer base dry... That, to me, are two separate things. You can't say Mm -hmm. that we're raising the cost of the base game and we're putting more microtransactions and DLC and season passes and Mm -hmm. battle passes into it. Those two things should be inversely related. If the Mm -hmm. price goes up, the amount of money that you should require from the player over a longer period of time should go down or make your game cheaper so that then you can uh, justify putting in more microtransactions. I would rather pay, and this is the thing, Mm -hmm. I... I do dole out on microtransactions every once in a while if it's a cosmetic skin that I like, if it's something that I really would like for it and I mm-hmm. don't and it doesn't affect the gameplay of it at all, mm-hmm. then yeah, I'll splurge. But right. I would love to look at a game and say, cool, that let's keep it at the forty pound price like we had way back way, but mm-hmm. allow more microtransaction storefronts in that do not engage with the actual gameplay. I would because I can mm-hmm. I can ignore ads all day long. I can ignore mm-hmm. somebody telling me that I've only got three hours left to buy this exclusive gun skin. Right. Like I can just get rid of that. So mm-hmm. I would rather pay a lower entry fee and then be like, yeah, cool, it is also there. I know yeah, that I think it's younger it's, kids. Those things are like case by yeah. case because like Warframe definitely nailed that model mm-hmm. where it doesn't feel like it's very predatory. It feels like they, d- the devs are very much in conversation with the fan base and it's like they figured out a monetization model that works. Um, but it's like there's just that always, there's always that element of greed that like sneaks in. It's like how, and it's always case by case in terms of the game's mm. design. Like if there's a narrative component, then you can't Asura's Wrath it and put the ending behind oh, another I can't DLC. Paywall. That. Yeah, that was, that was absolutely you know, mad. like, 
Or Assassin's Creed 2. It was like, well, there was like two chapters in the middle of Assassin's Creed 2 that you just didn't have if you didn't have the DLC. (laughs) Stuff like that that's just so stupid. Um, But yeah, and also like with Game Pass, like I have to imagine that if they're sitting around the table as a bunch of businessmen and they know that Game Pass is now on like 20 million subscribers, that they can monetize those 20 million again. Like you've got your, you know, whatever uh, whatever tier of Game Pass you're on is a certain amount coming in per month that is a curated selection of games. But I don't know what Microsoft cut of any uh, microtransaction that happens within those games is. If they're looking yeah. at that number and just saying, well, 20 million transactions can happen every month, or they do happen anyway, but we can have another 20 million every hour because they might take a microtransaction in any one of those 12 games mm-hmm. and they get a percentage of that, then I would assume that, that is the, that'll be the way things go for them. Yeah. Um, but it depends how much they pursue that. And if you start seeing uh, Game Pass selections having more monet- monetized games in them, uh, which they thankfully don't right now. Game Pass is an incredible selection of titles. Yeah. But I would I would be very suspicious if they start going down the uh, the route of like, this game has tons of microtransactions in it yeah. after you've paid the monthly fee. Agreed. Final question from Jacob Wright, who says, with the Game Awards around the corner, which reveals would you like to see? What's your dream reveal? Would you, I say it's like a brand new game coming back for this. Like, hey, you can do whatever you want. Jeff Keighley's sitting there. Um... Things as a Soul Reaver remake. Oh, the fact that is. Crystal Dynamics have listened and they announced something. I can. I'm more excited for what gets Game of the Year. I feel like this is one of those years that's that's fun and interesting and, and get your foam fingers out for whether you're on Team Elden Ring or Team yeah. God of War or whatever. Um, and then seeing how that stuff shakes out. So I'm kind of more interested in the awards themselves uh, in terms of what uh, the the panel of experts reveal as the as the you know the game industry's Game of the Year. That's but, true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I think that for me, I would love to see what's a game that I haven't I had a chance. To to play on in a while um you know what let's go i know that obviously we were talking roughly about uh marvel midnight suns and obviously mm-hmm. f- with fire axis going to be moving away from that project or after they've uh, continued to support it after its release let's get mm-hmm. them back on xcom 3 let's start moving the <laughs> chapter forward a bit let's actually get that going again also the um, more information on space marine 2 that game oh that game looks so good mate so good <laughs> actually i think i'm not I thinking... tides out soon oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got the rest of this year is like RAM. Like you still got Callisto, there's Pokemon in a week, there's just all sorts of things. Um, yeah, I kind of want more Zelda stuff, but I don't feel like Nintendo play well with the Game Awards. I feel like they do their own thing. They'd rather have their own live stream. But I would love to see anything more from Breath of the Wild 2 or Tears of the Kingdom because the last time they showed it, it was like a 10 second gameplay clip. It got us hyped like, though, didn't it, mate? What is that? It got Actually, us I tell you what, that's the ultimate reveal, the new Switch, because the, oh, the Game that Awards. Is a great shout. You know, years ago it was the, the Series X got revealed. Yeah. And I, like I said, I think Nintendo would do their own thing. But um, still, you've got you, there's clearly a new Switch coming. So why don't you just do that on one of the biggest stages of the year in regards to the mainstream fandom? It's smart, it's sensible. Therefore, it's not going to be what Nintendo do. <laughs> so exactly, they'd rather do it themselves. Um, but yes, massive thank you to everybody for sending in their various questions and talking points. I think we got past three or four this week. We've done. Yeah, we're we've on done track. Well. We're on track for the usual. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this has been the Tyler Partner Podcast, the UBP, the UBP, the, the UBP. UBP. I've been Scott Silver. You've been Jules Gill. I have indeed and uh, throughout this episode I've been sipping on a lovely beverage from my <laughs> Scott and Jules UBP mug which you can get from oh, yeah. and I don't know the thing off by hand but it's incredibly <laughs> long go to whatculture.com forward slash merch I'm sure that there'll be uh, something I tell you what something like that yeah I realised if you just google untitled banter pod mug you oh. can't we're like the second link there so you go wait we're not that. even the first link I think I think the first one was like a sponsored thing for oh, other okay, untitled <laughs> mugs, but <laughs> whatever. We're we're up there. You'll find yeah. us. We're in go, there. Go buy the mug. Give us our. Uh, let me just check my notes here. Oh yeah, zero percent cut of this, <laughs> and uh, enjoy <laughs> sipping out of our beautiful faces. Yes, and uh, yeah, massive thank you once again, and we'll catch you next week. Goodbye, Bye-bye. everyone. Bye. Bye.
This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.